Welcome back to the Kindling Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Davis from Kindling at shopkindling.ca and Kindling Media on YouTube and Instagram. Today we have Chef Jordan Wagman, James Beard nominated chef, entrepreneur, best-selling author, cannabis connoisseur, and mental health advocate, and gentleman. Chef, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so so Kindling. Can you tell me about Kindling? We're reversing it already. I like yeah, it. Um, yeah. So Kindling started uh, in the pandemic, as a lot of these uh, new startups do. Um, so I actually, I had to, to bring it all the way back, I would say my cannabis sort of journey is pretty typical up until a couple of years ago. You know, like smoking joints uh, in high school, the normal sort of rote socializing use of it. And then uh, during the pandemic, I actually had to uh, stop, quit drinking. Um, and I found that sort of alongside that, there's a lot of anxiety and uh, strife internally. <laughs> so I actually found that like uh, CBD, CBN, and some of the other sort of residual cannabinoids were a real boost for me initially, just kind of getting over that initial sort of adjustment period because the pandemic sort of brings things to a sharp point, I found. Like, if you have personal demons, they're coming out because mm-hmm. you're sitting by yourself. Amen to that. Yeah. So uh, so that's what I found. Like, if I, if I was running around living life normally, like, the like my lifestyle wouldn't be as severe or acute seeming. But because I was, we were, again, we obviously were locked in, in a house. I realized like, okay, this is, this is a real drag on, on what I want to do and where I want to be mentally, physically, spiritually, you know, family, business, the whole thing was being dragged down by this stupid thing. So anyway, cut it. Um, and as part of that, I was really overweight. I was about 260. Wow. Probably about two, I'm probably 205 now. How long ago was this? Well, beginning of the pandemic. So wow. like now like three years, I'd say. Wow. And I should see pictures. It's like I got stung by a bee, like a huge bee. My face is yeah. just like puffy. And yeah. so I kind of all wrapped into one sort of, uh, moment of like, okay, you know, like the, uh, the restart moment. I've had a lot of those. Sorry to make this such a long story for the first. Uh, no, I like it. Um, I've had a lot of those, right? Like with uh, booze, especially you, you have these like uh, cyclical patterns where you're, you know, you're doing good. You're it's January 1st or 2nd today. We're going to, it's a new leaf. Um, and I would do that for four to six weeks and then have one bender or one bad night and it just spirals out. And then you have to start your life again. Like, all right, whew, all right, no more. All right, here, here's where we go yeah. kind of thing. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? You're turning that page often. Yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah. it like six times a year. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, fair enough. And it just, it, nothing compounds. So anyway, so I, I long story long, uh, I uh, I was running to try and lose weight. That's the easiest way, long and slow, like low impact. And I would combine that with a little bit of THC, a lot of CBD. And those long runs would start to really get into this nice rhythm a lot easier, I would find. Um, and then I started taking them uh, for basically like an Advil during runs. So it'd be like, you know, an hour. I was training for 100K last year. Um, didn't do it. I'm going to try again this year, reloading. But uh, you could pop a bunch of them during a run and you do feel like the knee ease, the shoulders sort of lean back and your posture gain that sort of uh, uh, right tone or whatever. So anyway, that and then then I was like, you know, I had that moment. I'm rambling now, but I had that moment of like running through. I think it was uh, 
Christie Street next to Trinity going north. Mm-hmm. And like the sun was going through the trees. It was like midsummer. Perf- like my body was working exactly how it should be. Music was perfect. And I was like, this is it. Like that's the zenith. I need everyone to, f- to feel that. And so that's kind of what Kindling's mission is. Better your best. So, you know, my thing is like, you know, say running or whatever, but yours is cooking or infusing or, you know, singing or writing a song, uh, whatever. And I feel like you can make those moments better uh, without without diluting yourself to a degree where you're not even there. Like, I find that cannabis can get you into things, not out of them. So Mike, the producer behind the mic here, uh, has heard me tell this story probably a couple times. But when I was in culinary school in Florida, I was a young man, early 20s, and I would smoke a joint before I would go for a run at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I never fully appreciated until many years later why it made me, why A, I enjoyed it, and B, there was a specific focus that I enjoyed. And it allowed me to run farther, to run faster, to run in the heat without losing my energy. So it really did give me a focus. And, you know, it's, that's why I always love this, you know, this misconception of, you know, the stoners and potheads, they're those lazy fucks. Well, that's actually the furthest thing from the truth. I am beyond an overachiever, as are many people in my ethos. I use cannabis because it's my medicine, and and many of us do unknowingly. Right. Can you, speaking to that, can you tell me a little bit about your cannabis story? Um, you know, you mentioned in uh, different interviews that you started with you know, smoking joints, you generally start that with guests and then you go into sort of more health-oriented infusions and, and culinary applications. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my life story is, you know, I, ever since I was 12 years old, I would smoke joints every day of my life. And, you know, I, I, I still, I recall as my kids were, were young and I dropped my daughter off at gymnastics or I dropped my son off at hockey practice, I'd, I'd go back to the car, I'd roll a joint, I'd go for a walk, and I'd smoke the joint. And, and it was just every day of my life, it was very normalized in the Wagman household, both, you know, as my nuclear family, the six of us, and then as I left the family and, and married someone who, well, I'm ultimately separated from now, but married someone that I've been with for 30 years, who's also, you know, a pothead. And so we really did utilize cannabis um, well, let me take a step back. I didn't fully understand why I was using cannabis. I was diagnosed with psoriasis at the age of 12. Okay. And psoriasis is an autoimmune disease and it's an often debilitating disease. One that you wake up every day. And, you know, for me, I was, I had a very severe case and I was covered head to toe. So I can describe it in the wintertime, how you'd wake up every morning, it's minus whatever outside. You'd get up, you'd shower, you'd put medicine on, which is like a petroleum-based back then or tar-based type of medicine, which would ultimately, then when you put on jeans or whatever it is that you're putting on, and it would freeze because you're going into the outside. That's how I would spend every day of my existence. I wrote every high school exam in the hospital as an inpatient twice at Sunnybrook in Toronto twice at sick kids and then lived in a tent at the Dead Sea in Israel. I did a ton of different things to help to heal my psoriasis. 
but all the while smoking joints. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, scratching, bleeding, you know, suffering, and smoking a joint would allow me to find that reprieve, that, you know, short-term reprieve, but enough to allow me to go to sleep. And so when I moved to Israel and I slept in a tent, I realized that, you know, what I call always that first piece to my health puzzle, which was the sunshine. And so I never, you know, every decision I made in my life revolved around my skin. And to finally be rid of that just through sunshine was an amazing sort of feat and and sort of this, you know, this epiphany for me that, holy shit, right? Like now, okay, I, I found a cure, you know, as, as short term as it might be, it would give me some reprieve. So that's what I did for the rest of my existence up until eight years ago, right? I would go every year to Jamaica, to Mexico, to St. Lucia, to wherever to get some sunshine. Um, But ultimately, eight years ago was my defining moment when I changed my diet and I found my health. And so I started to, I removed gluten, dairy, and refined sugar, but also- What prompted that change? What was the impetus for those specifically versus the, the adding the cannabis? You might, well, it was, so- Cannabis by itself, like, you know, my dad was diagnosed with a brain tumor in 2022. So, you know, brain tumors feed on sugar, right? Like, so if, if, you're, if you're going to just take cannabis and not complement that with a healthier lifestyle. So let's use you as an example. With all respect, if you, if you didn't change your diet and use and, and include exercise and include cannabis, your life wouldn't be the same, right? It's, it's, it's the sum of its parts. It's not using cannabis alone. So cannabis was just a component. What I realized very quickly was that, was A, why I had been using cannabis my entire life, right? right? right. I didn't know that. What I also realized was that you can use cannabis, a lot of it, without any psychoactive effect. You can take THCA, a lot of it, without any psychoactive effect. I take 2,000 milligrams of different cannabinoids every single day. I am... Do you find that they... Sorry to interrupt you. Do they find... Do you find that they alleviate the physical symptoms or is it more so the mental approach it's to the everything. symptoms? Right? No, it's everything. No, it's everything. So it's cyclical, right? So you can't be mentally healthy when you're struggling physically. Because you're not present. You're thinking we, about your... You're your never your present. Your up legs and your jeans. Well, th- that's... But, you know, we can joke about it, but... And, and the truth is... Uh, yeah, the tr- but the truth is that is exactly what you're focused on. Totally. And that that is why for my entire marriage, you know, which, you know, it's, it's, it's an emotional time for me because I'm recently separated like two months after being with my wife for 30 years, right? So, but when you realize that for a lot of your marriage, for a lot of your life, and I will cry in this interview for sure, you're catching me in an emotional day, but, you know, for me to not be present was to not be present while my kids were born. Well, we're not being present while they were at hockey practice. We're not being present while I was making love to my wife because I was itchy, because I was cracking, because I was bleeding, because I was always worried, am I getting blood on somebody? Am I, you know, do the flakes bother them? You're always self-conscious about yourself. And and this is why, and it's, you know, this was, also, I won't post it anymore. I'm good, I'm, I don't need any. Um, I won't post it after this. I'll let you guys use this content, but... One of the reasons Twitch's suicide 
um, you know, he's he was the co-host of on Ellen. One of the reasons that his suicide really hit me so hard was, you know, I lost a good friend in 2021 who lost, who took his own life. Fucking happiest guy you'd ever meet, right? And everyone wants to look at me. Everyone wants to look at people who are, who get write-ups who you know we're starting our day in 2023 the first thing i'm doing is is being a guest on well it's being a guest on a podcast right and and not everyone gets these these opportunities these platforms and i get them often and and people look at me and say wow i'd fucking change i'd change places i'd walk a mile in his shoes and i'll tell you something my brother (laughs) no you wouldn't no you wouldn't and that's the thing is that without your mental health You've got nothing, but it starts with physical. You know, I had to change. So what was the impetus? The impetus was I could not deal anymore in my own head. I could not struggle anymore with this physical, physically debilitating disease where you say you're absent from everything in your life. You're not present. And so I finally became present. And it was it was an incredible an incredibly humbling moment to learn after my entire life in culinary that it was food that was actually negatively impacting my life more than anything else. So in 60 days after I removed gluten, dairy, and refined sugar and began consuming cannabis, my psoriasis went away. The the physical symptoms went away. They went away in 60 days. Holy shit, that's incredible. In 60 fucking days. I told you, you, you're catching me on a very emotional day, right? My family's in Jamaica right now. Uh, they're coming home tonight, but my family's in Jamaica. They've been away for 10 days. First trip that, you know, you're not that I, yeah. And, you know, my son turned 19 on this trip. Um, so, yeah, so that it's there's a lot of emotions flooding for sure. Totally. And there's a lot of emotions, too, for you in Jamaica as well. I've uh, came across an interview where you're you're talking. You're good. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Good man. Um, agreed. That was well done. Um, Very well done. So, yeah, I mean, Jamaica for you is sort of a fulcrum point, And I wrote that down because I've also had these fulcrum points in my life where it is a, I mean, objectively, it's a negative thing that you're going through at the time. But zooming out and with a little time and perspective, you see that that sort of resets your trajectory and, you know, recontextualizes your experience trees through the forest my friend exactly you know it's trees through the forest so you you know we we all have these opportunities to learn sometimes it takes time a lot often more than off more than you know more often than not it, it just takes time to gain that perspective I assure you, and I say this with conviction, without my experience in Jamaica, and I'm happy to tell the story, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today. You know, the Jamaica story is very, very quickly that the the year I was getting married, which was, you know, February 2000, it was always easy to keep my... my um, my uh, wedding anniversary because we got married in 2000. I'm not great at math. Um you know, so right before we got married, I was I opened up here in Toronto what was the Air Canada Center, now Scotiabank Place, and I was the chef in the Platinum Club there for a couple of years. But my psoriasis was horrible, and um, and we decided to uh, move to Jamaica. And long story short, um, 
they saw my psoriasis in Jamaica and it was after I had already been there one time to sign my deal and everything, I went the week I was getting married to bring my bags to choose a place to live. And on the day that I was leaving for all, you know, they turned to me and said, no one will eat the food if you cook it because you have a contagious disease. Now, psoriasis just, you know, for those that are not familiar with psoriasis, psoriasis is an autoimmune disease and not contagious. So I went to the doctor per their request, went to Negril um, and got this, you know, this doctor to say, you guys are dumb fucks. You don't know what you're talking about, but they... But that know. doesn't really matter, does it? it? Makes I mean, no it's difference. really just a perception, like... Makes no difference. Perception and, you know, perception is reality, and, and their reality was, we don't want this guy anymore. And so, you know, it was, it was a life-altering moment for me right before I got married, literally days before I got married. And so it was humbling, but at the same time, as I said, I wouldn't be here today. My my culinary, um, my where where I am today, it results in you know partly from certainly my hard work, but the accolades I received very young, and my James Beard nomination would never have happened if I had gone to Jamaica. The reason it happened is because I didn't go to Jamaica, and I ended up in in California and ultimately Colorado, where I received that you know incredible honor. Right, right, right. And does that, I mean, talk to me about the reaction to that from you internally. Was that, I mean, obviously initially there's a bit of confusion and anger, but at that time you don't have a route forward in terms of figuring out that medicine and, or sorry, food is your medicine. You don't really have an action plan, I don't think, at that time. So, like, was it just to create a chip on your shoulder and you're like, fuck you, I'm going to burn it down kind of thing? Or what? Well, I wanted to sue them. My brother is a right. very successful lawyer here in Toronto, um, you know, and uh, I, I definitely wanted to sue them. And then, and then what you realize very quickly is how many fucks do you have to give? Like, how much negative energy do you really want to spend? I knew that I needed the sunshine. I'm an American citizen, so it was easy. We got in the car and we moved to California, you know? But but here's the truth. When you're a chef, it doesn't matter if you live in Trinidad. It doesn't matter if you're in Jamaica or, or in Florida or in Toronto. You're working all the time, right? You're never seeing the sunshine. So it really didn't matter where I was, quite frankly. I needed to retire my whites before and, and get some quality of life before I, you know, could actually get rid of my skin once and for all. Right. And you mentioned uh, retiring your whites, and I wanted to uh, get there at the beginning of the podcast, but we got on a tangent there. So what was the culinary starting point for you? What was the ember or spark that lit your fire in terms of, like, was it a show where you're like, that's my thing? Like, was it the... No, I used to lead a canoe tripping program for a decade in northern Ontario. Mogami? Tamagami, Killarney, Algonquin, um, you know, actually at the beginning of the pandemic, I rented uh, an island uh, in Tamagami for a month where I was just me and my dog and it was just amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was, that. it was amazing. I needed it, you yeah. know, again, mental health. I'm very protective of myself and uh, yeah, I needed it. I wanted it to be with my family, but there wasn't enough Wi-Fi and not enough things to do. And Inevitably, it was just me and my dog hanging out. But, you know, I used to cook for kids 30 days, 40 days a summer, be in the bush, portage all summer long. And that's when I fell in love with cooking for people. So when I was sitting at a lecture hall in York University in Toronto, I realized very quickly I was like a creditor too shy for my BA. 
excuse me, I said, screw this. I don't need this. I'd rather move to Florida and go to culinary school. And that's exactly what I did. So I fell in love with food very early on. I used to watch cooking shows all the time, but cooking for people that I, you know, that through, you know, my canoe tripping uh, experiences, that was definitely, definitely the time that I fell in love with it. I kind of want to go back to the uh, the month you spent on the island. That's so interesting. So, what was your like? What was your objective there? Was it more leisure? Or was it more sort of like inward? The world was shut down. Or? The world was shut down. That the, was still in January, where everything was in the this basement was, again. No, so, right? so we this was the first summer of the pandemic, oh, where sorry. summer camps were um, were were off. So my kids would go to summer camp every, you know, every summer. Uh, but summer camps were closed, right? So like, what do you do? So, you know, I know, again, first world problems, right? But, but the truth is, we needed to f- figure out something to do. And I needed vacation, I needed some time away. And the pandemic was hard on everyone. But, you know, this was early on. So I decided that I would rent this, you know, little shack on an island with a generator and, you know, solar, one solar panel. But I, I love cooking on an open fire. That, that is, that's, that's my happy place. So I, I would hang cauliflowers. I would hang pineapples. I'd go Amazing. into town and, and buy my food on a, on a little, you know, 20 horsepower, you know, little dinghy. And, yes. you know, it was, it was nice. the time, man. I loved it. So yeah, that's, just, I, that's interesting because I've got this sort of my like North Star in all professional endeavors now. It's sort of like this idea of a thousand acres that I've come up with my wife where, you know, we want to get some land and sort of go off grid. And we tried it uh, in Huntsville a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, did like the, it's basically glamping, but cooking over an open fire um, and just going, waking with the sun, going to sleep with it and like you know, you don't really have any time for distractions. All your, your entire existence is just in and of the thing that you're doing. You're present 100%. implicitly. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Uh, well, because you're, and, and, you know, when I say that that's my goal, it's, it's likely my reality, you know, I, sorry, what's your reality? Moving out of the city and, oh, really? and going, yeah. And having a place, you know, I'm 50 years old. I've lived in Toronto a long time. I've achieved my, my goals in terms of, you know, have the house that I've always wanted. And, you know, I, I have two, uh, one adult child, you know, my daughter's 15 years old, you know? So yeah, my, my, I think my goal is probably to move out of the city and, and to have that life that I've always wanted, you know, do I hold out some hope that, you know, that maybe my wife and I can find our way back to one another? Sure. You know, would I forego, living somewhere so I could live happily ever after. Of course, you know, like I, I love my wife deeply. Um, But no, I think that if the future is that we are going to move on and, and we've separated for good, then yeah, I'll move out of the city. I'll, I'll move somewhere where I do have that acreage. And, you know, my home is my restaurant currently, right? I provide infused experiences to most of the licensed producers that exist in Canada and, and people across the globe coming from, you know, from wherever they, and, and, and I host them in my home, uh, or yeah, host them in my home. And so my, my hope is that, you know, I can do that out of the city. That that's right. my goal as well. How, when did this come about? Is this a new thing, like a uh, recent, or has this has been building this, no, this vision? Is years? Nice. No, this is many, many, many years. So you know, when I, 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 
I never wanted to be like everyone, you know, that saying, be like Mike, right? Successful. Well, sure, well, you know, sure, I, you know, success is defined very differently by all of us, right? Like, it's not, my success is not defined by dollars and cents. My success is, and, and it's the same thing as my legacy, and I talk about it very often, it's the impact that I'll have on people, the impact that I'll have on others. So when I die, I'm not taking my awards with me, but you you can be assured that I will leave here the impact that I've had on a lot of people, hopefully more positive than negative, right? And and that's what it's about for me. And what do you how do you affect that sort of um impression on people and let that carry through? Like is it through your cooking? Is it through your infusing? Is it through your conversation or is it all baked into the sort of Wagman pie? Yeah, I mean well, it's a that's a great one. <laughs> it, it's it there's the Wagman pie has a lot of pieces to it, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of layers to that onion. And so the answer is, is that I'm, I'm very selfless. I, I try to be, and you know, I posted this on LinkedIn the other day that, you know, my intentions are always so genuine, but I fail sometimes, you know, how does it come across? I mentor people. I, I am there for you. I bring you gigs. I make you money. I, I, I make you money without needing, I don't put my hand in your pocket, you know, I'll, I'll mention um has that come about since you found success though like or is this sort of uh part of the nature of achieving the success you know what i mean like yeah i do so let like- me define that for you so here's when i knew that i could call myself or think of myself as a success okay and that was when i could prop up when i could look to Chef Devin, Raj Kumar, Chef Dev. I can look to Adrian Nyman. I can look to Anthony Rose. I can look to, I mean, I could name all these different chefs, you know, Ron McKinley and, and Chris Locke and say to all of these incredible chefs, you are so bloody talented. And you know what that does? That doesn't diminish my success. It doesn't diminish my worth. It doesn't diminish my talent just because I'm giving you compliments. As a matter of fact, it makes me a success. Your success doesn't equal my failure. We can both be successful. As a matter of fact, 9-11, when I was living in, in Colorado, it was the first opportunity I saw for chefs to get together and collaborate. Not say, go fuck yourself. This is mine. It's proprietary. I'm not sharing with you. Oh, you got one star. I didn't get any stars. Oh, you got a write-up. You got a James Beard. This, there's no, there was none of that. Michael LaMonaco lost his entire restaurant, his entire restaurant staff at one on top of one of the towers, right? Windows on the World, it was called. And we did, a, we, chefs, culinarians across the globe, but across the United States, did all of these dinners to raise money for all of the families that, you know, that lost someone and we're out this we're without income we raised all of this money and it was the first time that chefs came together in my career and collaborated and now it feels like in 2022 that is the world we live in where the time of the angry chef is gone like it's fallen by the wayside we do collaborate with each other that's when i knew i was successful when i could prop all of these up i could compliment and share but the truth of the matter is is that the time, and I can tell you, you know, we talk about flipping that page. I knew that I was successful on this day. It was the day after I found my health. 
because I was able to have the bandwidth to be there and present for other people, right? It wasn't until that time. Was I giving back to the world through philanthropic endeavor? Sure, I was. But once a year, twice a year, now it's part of my existence. It's part of my fabric. So it sort of dovetails off your personal journeys, kind of of like if you were to zoom out and look at that trajectory. So you find, you know, through hitting your head against the wall in Jamaica or, you know, any, any number of given obstacles you face, then you find, you know, yourself. However you define that, right? What's our, I have a great story for you. Okay. okay. So, um, last year in, in Barcelona, I had the opportunity to tell Jim Belushi this story. Okay. And Jim Belushi is John Belushi's brother. Um, Jim Belushi is an actor and he's in cannabis. And Jim Belushi is someone that has impacted my life. But I never ever thought that I would have the chance to share this with him. God, you're, I'm killing myself today, Mike. My third podcast interview. Here we go. <laughs> Fuck. Um, my God. Mr. Destiny was a movie in the 80s. Mr. Destiny, there was this there was this moment in Mr. Destiny where Michael Caine was speaking to Jim Belushi and Michael Caine is pointing to the stars. I used to think it was Jim Belushi and then I saw the, the clip again. But it, Michael Caine is speaking to Jim Belushi and he's talking about these moments in your life that we have this trajectory, right? And as he's pointing to the... To the um, as he's pointing to the stars or to the sky, a different star appears or a new star appears. And he's got this trajectory. And he says, but if you make one significant decision, actually it could be any decision. I'm going to take out the garbage today. You get hit by a car, right? I'm not going to take out the garbage today. I'm not going to go pick up my sunglasses today or I'm going to go pick up my glasses today and both of the Twin Towers fall at 9-11. You know how many stories exist like that, Right. Shit, where was I going? <laughs> we were talking about Jim Belushi's, uh, so, John you. Belushi's. Damn it. <laughs> so he's telling this story. And so how you can make this one decision. And I felt as though there was this moment in time when I was in grade 11. I was at a special school called the Jerome D. Diamond Adolescent School here in Toronto. There were 30 kids in the whole school. I was 16 years old. I was the oldest kid in the school. And it was a school for kids who couldn't make it in the mainstream school system, okay? And I, I chose to leave two months early and go to camp. And so it was May, and I wasn't going to get my credits. And it wasn't, they didn't prioritize academics. They prioritized your mental health at that school and learning social skills. And it was the first time in my life where I said, I'm going to, I'm taking control of my life. I was 16 years old or 17, and I'm going to go to camp, summer camp that makes me, it's my happy place. It's the best place that I could possibly be to maybe implement some of what I've learned this year. And it was the first moment in time where I felt as though Michael Caine's sort of demonstration of touching the stars and the different decisions you make lead you on a different path. That led me on a very different path. And every major decision I've made in my life, I knew that I was, there was a fork in the road. You can go right or you could go left. And I had the opportunity to tell Jim Belushi this. And it was impactful for him. You know, it was very impactful for him that some that he, something that he was a part of impacted someone so right. profoundly, and he really did. And I'm very proud of 
being in charge of these decisions. And quite frankly, I have to pull it back to separating, you know, and separating from my wife, which is not really easy and for anyone. But these are the decisions that I'm making to take control of my life because life is very short. And scary too. I mean, when you take those, uh, like those are heavy, heavy sort of inflection or deflection points, whatever you want to call them. And I've heard one that's sort of similar, uh, where, you know, if a plane's off by one degree, you can end up like thousand miles off your destination. Right. right? right. And that puts a lot of pressure on, you know, each thing. And it can kind of almost be handcuffs where you're like, you're so indecisive because these things can all sort of accumulate to a good thing or a bad thing or in between. So I feel like that comes back to what we talked about earlier, where, I mean, you got to kind of let go and be in the moment at some point and just like let it go, you know, or otherwise it's so stressful. Well, <laughs> if, if you're not, you know, my kids, <laughs> my daughter, you know, the kid, they go to camp, they love summer camp. And my daughter literally has a countdown from the moment she comes back from camp to, to the day she leaves. <laughs> she has a countdown going every day. And so we talk about it all the time. And so she leaves for camp at the end of June. And at the beginning of July, we're speaking. And she's like, Dad, I'm so stressed about school. I'm like, what? She's like, Dad, I'm so stressed about my, you know, about my, my schedule for September. I'm like, what? You, you spent all year counting down to go right. to camp and look forward to camp if you're not enjoying today and you're looking to September already and it's July, when do you enjoy your life? Right. When do you stop and smell the roses? And, and so this is, this is what we all need to do. And that's why I always come back to like success is very different for each of us. My success is not defined by the number of shows that I do or, 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 or like amount of money I'm It's truly defined by putting a smile on someone's face. I, I want to change people's lives. And I do that through food. I do that through conversation. I do that through introductions. It's, it's, that is how we impact this world. And quite frankly, it's what fills my cup. Totally. And you mentioned being in the moment, smelling the roses. And I think cannabis can actually play a pretty big role in that. Um, I have a tough time looking at it as either a, it brings you out of things, which it can, like the high THC sort of can, you know, put you in the couch, so to speak. And then the other side of it is more so like bring you into these things and bring you into the moment, not taking you out of it. Um, how do you approach your relationship with cannabis in terms of that? Like, how do you make sure that it's functional for you and not negatively functional, if that makes sense? So functional is, is, is a great word because I refer to myself as a very high functioning pothead. And, you know, I, I, I will answer this in two ways, how it impacts me and how I curate experiences for others. For me personally, I smoke joints before I work out in the morning. I haven't worked out today, but I will, I've smoked two joints already. Uh, you know, like I, I'm, I, this is just how I operate. It's like brush. I actually smoked a joint before I brushed my teeth today. And so it's really just how I put on my underwear. It's how I put on my socks. It's how I get my brain ready to into go. Person. It's, it is, it's not an addiction because I know that I can go and travel and go without, I choose not to, right. I would choose destinations that are cannabis friendly, but the, the different cannabinoids that I take, I am taking way more THCA than I do THC. And I go back to, because that helps me deal with, and I know 
personally, I found my cannabis sweet spot. I know what the different, you know, milligrams are or the titration is that works for me um, or potency of cannabis that works for me. I know the different cannabinoids that work for me. And I think that that inevitably is what we need to find is our own cannabis sweet spot because we all have this endocannabinoid system that is individual in each and every one of us. Now, how do I curate these experiences for people? Well, I have fed thousands of people, thousands of people. I have had Forbes magazine fly in from New York to come to an experience with me. They've never had an experience, a cannabis-infused experience before. I've had more people that have not had enjoyed cannabis than probably have had at my experiences. Now, why do they leave with a smile? Because all of the food stuff I create is with them in mind, not with me in mind, not with the person who consumes 100 milligrams or 50 milligrams at a time. Why? Because A, I want to appeal to everyone. B, those people that say they consume 100 milligrams at a time or, you know, I eat a 50 milligram gummy. Well, let me assure you. Number one, and this is something where I've interviewed countless doctors and they subscribe to my, you know, hypotheses, but sugar, if you're eating a gummy that has 50 milligrams in it, number one, it's likely not from the legal space, but if you're consuming cannabis that has refined sugar in it, your body wants to consume that refined sugar before it consumes the cannabis. Why wouldn't it? That's what our body does. It wants to consume and wants to process that sugar. So now remove that refined sugar, cannabis becomes more bioavailable. So when you come to my experiences and I don't cook with refined sugar, all of my desserts are plant-based. There's no gluten, dairy, or refined sugar. My ingredients are the best that you can buy. They're farmed with the people from people who are local. There's nothing impeding that absorption of the CBD, the CBG, the, the terpenes that are part of my experience, which is a huge part of huge. the cannabis experience. People want to use the nomenclature of sativa and indica. Fapui, as my grandmother who just, <laughs> you know, who, who just, you know, passed away at 101 years old, right? We should all sign up for that life. But, you know, fapui, as my mom, as my grandmother would say, because we, we need to talk about different terpene profiles, endocannabinoid systems. We're all individuals. Deb Kimless, an amazing doctor in the United States, taught me this expression. Mike, you remember? We are all an end of one all in end of one. That's why we need to find our own individual cannabis sweet spot. And that's a tough thing to do. That's kind of, I mean, to, this is a corporate podcast, Kindling. I mean, we have, a, we have a concierge that's live, so you can kind of discuss this. But I'm really trying to find that route to commercializing a personalized cannabis experience. Because mine wouldn't be off, you know, I, if I rolled into a regular dispensary uh, head shop or uh, whatever, you would... I would get a totally offside recommendation for what I'm looking for versus like I want very low THC, really high CBD yeah. that's like functional, et cetera. And it would be not in a form. It'd be, I'd probably but be here's smoking the issue something. with that. But here's the issue. Number one, yeah. you're not legally, they're not legally allowed to answer those questions. Yeah, I, get, I get the you barriers know, and restrictions. Right? I'm just thinking like, how do we do it? Well, so no, well, but, but number two, so, you know, I see this, you know, bud tenders are... They're just, they're the megaphone, right? They're the ones that are speaking to the consumer. But the line cooks are also the ones cooking the food in a restaurant. It's not, Good it's not, it's not the chef. Well, I call them the line cooks of the industry. They are, they, they are. They're underpaid, undervalued, and undereducated. The issue is this, you know, 
Who's talking about the different need states? Why are we taking, right. why would we want to go to a dispensary and ask someone who isn't formally trained in answering those questions anyways on how to solve for your need state? When the question is first, first and foremost, what are you solving for? Exactly. That's what what are you solving here. for? Do you, do you, do you, have you been high before? Right. This, these are like, there's so many different questions as you're trying to onboard someone. And quite frankly, the limitations in place in this country anyways, you know, make it impossible to really, you know, help people at that level. Now right. I'll give you the flip side of it. The medical side, my father, as I mentioned, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, came back from Florida. He went into Sunnybrook. Sunnybrook called and said, okay, and they gave me the, this call. Um, we want to prescribe your father cannabis. Okay, great. Check mark. Well, he's already on cannabis, but check mark. Let's have the conversation. What do you want to prescribe? Two milligrams of CBD. <laughs> Okay. Well, he's on 2,000 milligrams of different cannabinoids, right? At that point, they want to prescribe two milligrams of CBD. So now we talk about a bud tender who, who isn't educated enough to speak to the different need states and the limitations in place. And then we go to the opposite end of the spectrum where we've got the medical field, the medical industry, who's prescribing my father with a fucking brain tumor, two milligrams of CBD. But it, it, may, it might as well be a placebo with two milligrams, right? Yeah, it's it just, is. just it, it, there's no there's no benefit in place. So the you know we need to get better at defining need states. What can potentially get people there now? There are, are amazing apps. There's, you know, I mean, Strain Prints, good friends of mine, and, right. you know, they, they have a great platform. And there are other platforms in place where you can track and you can speak to, you know, and follow someone else's path, maybe cutting yours, you know, learning from their mistakes, people who share in your need states. That's what it's about, right? That's a great idea, actually, that just what you mentioned there at the last bit where, Seeing someone else's story. Just the last bit. Just the last bit. I, I tuned out the first little while there. Uh, but uh, where you see like your story, my story, someone else's, like not everyone's looking for this like holistic approach. Some people just want to not have a 14th glass of wine. You know what I mean? Like, of course. And it's e like, or it's. Do you drink? Years. No, no you don't, don't drink anymore. You told me. Zip. So me I haven't neither. had a sip since uh, December 8th last year, not a sip. And then it's been March of 2021. And I've had about, since March of 2021, I've had about two drinks. Right. So and like, so, so, okay. So let me, let me ask you this question and, and I'm going to, I'll follow it up. There's a reason I'm asking, but so if you go out to an event right now and there's, you're not drinking alcohol, um, you're not smoking cannabis in an inside, nope. you know, event space. So what do you have in your hand or do you need something in your hand to make you feel comfortable or more at ease? Generally in those situations, I feel a little, uh, uncomfortable, um, entering those situations if you've taken something i feel like it's more getting into the situation reading it feeling it out and then accommodating it within okay a sort of a non-conspicuous okay. uh, method so okay you know what i mean because it can be a little daunting when you're like okay i'm sitting at the head of the wedding table and i'm fucking baked holy right. shit <laughs> That's no okay. So that's never been an issue for me. Okay, okay. I walked into my gala. We had we literally pulled off the greatest cannabis event in history, um, not long ago, but 
you know, first thing nine o'clock in the morning, I popped a microdose of mushroom and went about my day, right? So it's just very, very commonplace for me. But the reason I ask is, uh, you know, about about being comfortable with with something or nothing in your hand is because, you know, where where I hope we go is 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 venues and and places that are that are focused on non-alc or 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 cannabis forward beverages or terpene forward beverages. Right. You know, people when I talk about indica versus sativa, like, you know, it's it's there's like red or too, white, basically, right? Well, right? there's just too much. There's too many variables yeah. in there, right? What what terpenes are there, and how do these terpenes impact you? And what's the alcohol percentage. And, what's the varietal? What's the grit? Like all terpenes of that. are right. So terpenes are the aromatic compounds that are extracted from from cannabis or or you know or botanicals, and so you know on their own, they have such incredible impact. So if I come into a meeting like this, you can be assured that I'm in my car, I have lemon oil that I rub on my hands, I rub them together and I breathe it in. It relaxes me. Peppermint oil, I'll put it on my temples if I've got a, if I've got a headache. I don't use Tylenol or Advil. So those essential oils, that's what terpenes are for all intents and purposes, right? So they act on their own, they have such great benefit combined with cannabinoids, they heighten the effect of the cannabinoids. So right. they have an incredible effect, but on their own, there's no cannabinoid. There's no cannabis. There's, there's no psychoactive totally. effect. So I'd really love to see a time where, or, you know, and, and we'll get there eventually, where we can give people like me, who don't drink, who do like to have something in their hand, right? The microphone, we talked offline, why, why this is, you know, before we went on camera, why this is really cool, because it gives somebody like me who likes to have something in their hand, something to hold. You're not spinning off the face of the earth. No, no, totally. And so, you know, I think that we will get to a place in time where cannabis or terpene-forward beverages or non-alk cocktails are widely accepted. They're not there yet, and, uh, but we will get there. I totally agree. And I, I mean, when I first entered the space, I was like, the beverage side is going to absolutely fly. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, there's still like 5% of the total sort of like market sales. But to your point, I think that's the future. I mean, I don't, uh, on our last podcast, we were talking um, about consumption spaces in the future. And I don't think the format is smoking or vaping. I think it's more it's more, uh, yeah, culinary, it's more beverage focused and, and you can elevate it to a degree that is so much more than like the existing culture. Not that there's anything wrong with the existing culture. It's not particularly up my alley, but like we can really make this a functional, you know, in a beautiful setting too. You know what I mean? Like, do I know it? I curate them. That's what I, that's what I literally do. I I literally (laughs) do that. I'm going to Vancouver next week to execute an event. I'm going to Barcelona. Like, yeah, I'm going, I I go everywhere to do these things, but it's, 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 and, and this is the most, I, I hope I can be really clear about this. This is, I'm not a cannabis chef, right? Like I, right. I say this so often. I am not a cannabis chef. Uh-huh. I am a chef yeah. who cooks with cannabis. I've been cooking for 30 years, right? Cannabis doesn't define me. It's just like basil doesn't define me, right? right? But these are food first experiences. But you do have to admit that the addition of cannabis does add a functionality that's not the same as like but eating too much spice. That's the differentiator. That's the different. Well, it depends on how good you are. So it okay. could be, okay. you know, when you come, the goal is to not get you high. The goal is to demonstrate what cannabis food and beverage can be for you. So can I get you high? 
of course. But do you know how many people call me afterwards and say, Jordan, I felt amazing for days. Like for days. It's because it's part of the journey, right? Can I get you high? I can get you blasted, but that's not the goal here. The goal is for you to leave not saying that was the greatest infused experience I've ever had. That was the greatest food experience I've ever had. Totally. And like baked into that uh, Wagman experience too is so you have a CBD dose. So your inflammation is down. So then your sleep that night is also better. Then you wake up and you're feeling healthier because you had like, you know, whatever, a better quality 100%. organic food. 100%. And it just cartwheels in. And then maybe you don't feel like having a scotch. Well, so so I'll also say <laughs> that it's not, you come for, my experiences are 10 plus courses. And it's, you know, you're not bloated. You know, right. Jackie Childs, have you had Jackie on yet? Okay, so you should have Jackie on. Jackie's, you know, Jackie's a good friend and she's, you know, she's known all over the place. But she gave me, and I've said it so often, she gave me the greatest compliment I've ever received. One of them, uh, one of them now, one of the greatest compliments. And that was she came over for dinner and I had an event at my place going back pre-pandemic. And she said, Jordan, I didn't even have to go to the bathroom. And why is that critical? Because she struggles with Crohn's. Because when you're feeding people, and that's my my food is anti-inflammatory, right? There's no there's no inflammatory ingredients. I hardly cook is with that the sugar, the gluten, and the cannabis, well, or is it all, just also the it, food? So it's, it's gluten, it's dairy, it's refined. There's the AIP, the autoimmune protocol, where you want to remove certain ingredients, lots of ingredients, nightshade vegetables, eggplant, zucchini, potatoes, you know, tomatoes, like all of these things are. Um, part of that family. And so, you know, you remove them. And so uh, I don't cook with a lot of those ingredients, but if I do, I cook them. I won't serve, you know, tomatoes raw. Um, they, I don't, I don't cook with rice because it converts to sugar in your body. I, I don't even, I don't eat a lot of rice anymore. I've, you know, I don't, so Sometimes. you're, you're eating the food that I cook. So when you talk about the residual effects and, you know, the collateral damage, if you will, is, you know, you do feel better because you're not bloated. You aren't going to the bathroom, which means your insides don't work. And, and I say this so often, and I just said it to my friend Lisa this weekend. We're so accustomed in this world to having, to, to having repercussions to food. We are so desensitized to going to McDonald's, eating an Egg McMuffin and saying before you even eat it, I'll be on the toilet in 30 minutes, right? That's, that's, I remember Well, it's the first it. generation that the lifespan is actually going down and it's based on food. Well, centric. I, I mean, because our, the food that we eat, can you really call it food in large part, right? You know, we don't, we don't, we don't look at ingredients. And so, yeah, it's really critical. That's why I go back to diets, half of it. Exercises, you know, diets, some of, uh, a portion of it. Exercise is a portion. What, you know, cannabis is a portion of it, but you put it all together, it's the sum of its parts. Totally. And that uh, kind of brings me, I think we've talked about this here and there, but so like leisure versus function for you. So you smoke a joint before you brush your teeth, you do it before you work out. So in looking at that, and it might not have an easy answer, but is that because it makes the workout more fun or more functional for functional. you? Is the day more fun for you or more functional? And it might be, you know what, it might be just a circle because it's like the day's more fun because it's more functional. And yeah. On and on we go. I don't. So, okay. So great. Qu that's a really Actually, one of the best questions I've been asked, <laughs> okay. truth, truthfully. I, I, don't, um, 
I don't look at cannabis and my consumption of cannabis as fun. I don't, that's not... Like you wouldn't, before a movie, you wouldn't be like, ooh, I'm going to get a high THC strain here to make this a giggle fest. No, because that's, that in and of itself is a misnomer that high THC is what's going to do it for us or each and every one of us. When for me, I'd rather have something that's, you know, 15% and, you know, THC and, and, and 10% CBD and, you know, 5% terps or whatever, you know, whatever this looks like. I'd rather have that sort of, some of its parts. Right. Well, it's, I mean, if you subscribe to it, which I think people should, the entourage effect is huge for me. But no, I'm not going and saying, hey, I need this strain or I need this. I'm just automatically smoking a joint f- until I walk into that movie theater. And then when I get out, I'm going to smoke a joint again. If I want something that's going to keep me, <coughs> excuse me, focused or buzzed, yeah, maybe I'll take a half a gram of mushrooms before I go in. But again, I, that's not something that gets me off my rocker. It keeps me focused and gives me a little bit of a buzz. Gotcha. And how do you approach, doesn't it, doesn't it get complicated with like dosing and this and that? Like, isn't there ever a time where you're just like fucking enough of like the levels and this and that? I guess, I guess not really because you need it. It literally is your medicine. But to me, it's like having this stuff, it's just too complicated. Like there's too much going on. Simplify it. Jesus Christ. Like smoke a joint, dude. It's like the... But you know what I mean? Th- that I do know what you mean. And that's what makes cannabis more of a challenge than alcohol, right? Someone, I forget, like I come back to my show all the time because I learned so much by interviewing people. And, you know, I, whomever it was was talking about the number of different ways that you can consume alcohol versus number of different ways that you can consume cannabis. Well, let's talk about how many ways can you consume alcohol? I, I mean, so, right, you see what I'm saying? Like, I drink it i was gonna bring up a jacko uh, uh steve stein on jackass but, we well, but you know what i mean like there's just yeah. only so many ways that you can consume alcohol now you can smoke a joint you can take an oil you could dab it you can vape it you can well, take not only an edible you can do a million and one totally. different things and then you have to figure out okay like how long do I wait? I took two milligrams. I think 10 might be the sweet spot. Now, how long do I wait? How long, you know, how much do I titrate up at a time? People don't understand this, this verbiage, right? This, this, this nomenclature, titrate. I don't even know what that is. Titrate is, titration is just, you know, okay, I'm going to titrate up. It's the, it's your dosing. Oh, okay. So two milligrams, like two milligrams isn't doing it for you. You're now going to titrate up another two milligrams. So now you've taken four milligrams. It's just, you know, it's. So you're talking about the, the formats that you're consuming alcohol. People always used to talk about, well, used to uh, talk about like, I can't drink tequila or I'm going to get violent or whatever it is. Right. Like, is that a thing? Because in cannabis, it really is a thing. Like you're not that you're going to get violent, that you're going to have a different effect. You might be sleepy. You might be, you know, totally stone sober, but you know, your inflammation is down or whatever it is. So do you think that like, how can we approach that absolute sea of function and form and and make it a little more digestible. You know what I mean? It's I so do know what you mean. Well, okay. So it starts with simplify one, things in I have one word for you. And but you're doing it here and and this is what it comes down to and what we are all trying to do. And that's educate. 
right? That, that's educate. It's educate everyone. And it's educating those who are curious about cannabis, who have this misconception that you need to consume cannabis or, or get high to consume cannabis, right? Um, that's a misconception that we need to do away from, uh, do away with. But it, it all comes down to education. And so that's, we need to have these conversations. We need to give people platforms to be educated on. Because right now, as it stands, you know, Google just opened up um, some of their advertising to cannabis, which just happened, I think, like in the last two weeks or whatever it We're is. We're on there, on their homepage Right, now. so, you know, it finally, it. finally is, is things are opening up maybe that leads to meta doing something but you know you can't be a cannabis content producer on facebook and instagram without i'm not suggesting you can't be i'm suggesting you can't be without running the risk of being deplatformed totally so you can do whatever the fuck you want to do but this is why there are people like me and others who are trying to create intelligent educational entertaining cannabis content without having to do it on those platforms and without having to do it with uh sort of a trojan horse approach like i'm not saying that you do this intentionally but you're a chef first right and then cannabis comes in the door after you're in there correct i mean like i'm this uh, podcast series we're trying to find founders and creators who have their own thing and that's how we're going to market it is like that is the trojan horse and then also we talk about cannabis in this podcast you know what i mean so Absolutely. you have to do it that way our instagram profile that we're going to launch this year it's like you have to remove all commerce associations why like why do i why do we have to play this game yeah and and unfortunately that is what happens when you pioneer an industry and so what i will remind people in this industry constantly is that when you leave this this country you are a global thought leader. You, what you are doing in this room, what you're doing down here in downtown Toronto, you have to appreciate that there are many, many millions upon millions of people who want to sit in that fancy leather chair and interview Jordan Wagman because they want the freedom to talk about cannabis in their country, state, province, whatever it looks like. So <clears throat> what I would suggest is that we really need to be very grateful and thankful for where we are in this country, how far we've come, the mistakes that we've made. We've made a plenty but we're learning from them and there is certainly a reckoning happening right now in cannabis as we see and you know it's 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 it was time quite frankly for that yeah. to happen so you see this progress and i guess that's a good positive way to look at it. like be grateful for the fact that our country like it's legal here i mean be that's, very grateful that's pretty crazy to think about like you know, seven years ago, I was uh, getting arrested for smoking a joint outside a theater, right? I got to drop that in every episode. Yeah, so. listen, I, I I, mean, yes, there are legal ramifications <laughs> yeah. for sure um, that have, you know, plagued my existence. But, you know, now it's like my biggest concern is my social media. <clears throat> do I curate cannabis content or not? And the answer is no, I will not. Now, do I say infused? Of course I do. Infused is not a bad word, but I don't say cannabis anymore. I can't afford at this point in time to become, to, to be deplatform. That's why, and this is what it's really all about for me. When you talk about like, I, I do have this impact on people because I get to be in front of people. I get to cook for 300 people at a gala or, or create a gala experience, or I get to, you know, cook for a hundred people in Vegas, or I, this is the FaceTime. I get to make people happy with food. So you're already starting, you know, you're already starting from a great place. And then when you start to educate people on cannabis, they're like, holy shit, all I know about, about cannabis is, um, 
or gummies and brownies and and cookies. Oh my, right? Well, but that's just that that's not that's not the way I roll. Every single dessert that I make is totally plant based, right? Totally vegan. So my desserts are good for you. Do I make brownies? Of course. Mine have avocado and coconut oil and almond flour, and yeah, they have great cannabis in them. Right, right, right. Uh, and I got so many questions for you. Uh, we're gonna have to make this a series, Jordan and Mike. But um, I've got one that I, I was personally interested in. On your LinkedIn, you mentioned that you're a mental health uh, survivor. Yep. What does that mean to you, a survivor? <clears throat> and uh, how would you, you know, how do you integrate it into your daily lifestyle um, in a way that assists your mental health? Good question. And Another I one. took, I, yes, I stole it. You did your due diligence well. I, I stole it from my brother. My brother, Ryan, is a brilliant uh, writer. Uh, he lives in Brooklyn now, but Ryan, you know, was, was chief creative officer at WME in New York and, you know, here in Toronto at Taxi and, you know, Boulder at Crispin and Leo Burnett in Chicago. He's brilliant. And he just came out with a children's book. And, but he too, you know, he, he, he coined this for me. I'm, I don't know if he coined it, but he coined it for me and said, you know, he too, is a, he's this mental health survivor. And I took it from him. And it means a lot to me because, and it was, it was actually after I, I started to include it in my signature um, after my friend Mark took his life. And when Mark committed suicide, he lost his battle, right? He wasn't surviving his mental health battle. My brother and I, we are. Um, you know, I, to think, to think that people get to a place where they actually take their own life, it's one thing to think about it. It's one thing to think about it. If you've struggled with mental health, if you have struggled with mental health, you know what I'm saying, right? We think about it. If you've struggled with mental health, you've thought about taking your life. I'm here. I'm surviving. I'm surviving what goes on up here. I want to be here for you. I want to be here for my friend Mike. I want to be here for my children. I want to be here for my grandchildren. I'm a survivor. Do I struggle? <laughs> man, oh man. You know, the last while, for sure, man. Absolutely. You know, um, I've done things in this space, and I'll say this, like, just... Last week, I was asked to come to New Orleans to the American Culinary Federation um, conference in July to speak about culinary and cannabis. Now, next to cooking at the James Beard House in New York when I was a young man, this is actually the biggest <clears throat> privilege that's been extended to me. The American Culinary Federation wants me to come in and do a culinary and cannabis demonstration. That's huge for me. Um, but no matter all of the accolades, you, if you, it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter what you think of me. Now, do I care what you think of me? Of course I do. But at the end of the day, we have to be happy with ourselves. We have to like ourselves. And I like me. I do. I've worked really fucking hard to get to a, pl a place where I can actually say that. I like me. I like the person I've become. And so... That has helped me become a survivor. Now, the other things that I do in my world, the philanthropy, giving back, cooking with kids who are going to die, or, you know, like, you know, I, I've lost somebody, I've lost two kids and uh, that I work with a sick kid, that I work with a sick children's hospital. 
no other chef is doing that. So if I'm, you know, who's going to be there if I'm not? I've work to do. I'm 50 years old. God willing, I've got many more years ahead of me. And I will continue every day surviving. Totally. And that's important to mention that, uh, like when I saw that, I kind of thought, okay, there's an event that's happened that he survived and he's gotten through. But like you said, it's every day now, right? Like it's, it's, it's mental health surviving. It's not mental health survivor. If you, yeah. You know what I mean? it, yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's an ongoing battle, right? Like, listen, no one needs to feel sorry for me at 13 years old. I watched my friend die in a boating accident. He was cut in his neck and his groin. And I still remember the bloodstained docks you know, pulling him up on the dock. I, I have, I've experienced things that I, I want no one to ever experience, you know? Um, but, but I'm a survivor and I have, as you know, psoriasis teaches us, I have thick skin, right? Um, I told you we're going to joke about it. Yeah. I, I, I have thick skin. And so, yeah, man, I, yeah, I have thick skin, and I think it's just time for everyone to be a little kinder, right? Totally agree. It's time for everyone to, you know, just remember the way they felt during the pandemic, how when the world was shutting down, we all wanted to help one another. Well, where is that? Why isn't that a constant? Why is that the exception to the rule? Why does there need to be a global pandemic for us to buy a coffee for one another or support support those who have food insecurity? Like, why are we just not doing that? The new next thing, man. It's the new next thing. Uh, you know, it's it just should be, you know, humanity should be the thing. And in and of itself. Right, of course. It should, should you know, it should just be something that we we do because not because it's the right thing to do, because we're human, because we don't want to see other people struggle. But, you know, there are haves and have nots, but I, I guess, but I, you know, I think there needs to be a lot fewer have nots. And yeah. Totally agree. And, and talking about surviving, um, like on the day to day, on a day to day basis, I find that well, personally, I, I think that having an, uh, a little bit of a struggle is a good thing. It can kind of, like the pandemic, it can kind of lend perspective to your, your day-to-day. But do you find generally that, you know, like if you were to really zoom out, do you find generally that life is good generally? Or is it, you know what I mean? Of like, course. It's, listen, it can't be a micro, you know, it, it can't be a micro analysis of your life, right? Life is about macro. It's about a sum or an accumulation of moments. It's right. not defined by a moment, right? My, my life is not defined by Jamaica. It's Jamaica plus, 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 plus that led me here. So we're, we're just a sequence of events. We're not defined by a moment. So I won't allow myself Do I get upset at something? Of course. And then, you know, I see the trees through the forest a lot sooner. I see it a lot sooner. I gain perspective now a lot sooner than I did before. Why? Because A, I'm older, and B, I don't want to be angry anymore, right? I would hold on to things. That's what made me feel like I was the Incredible Hulk when I was eight years old because I would hold on to these things. <clears throat> I don't hold on to this anymore. I want to be nice to everyone. Everyone. I want to be well-intentioned. I want to do the best I can for everyone in my ethos. Do I fail? 
Absolutely I do. Do I let you down? A hundred percent. I can't follow through or overachieve for every single person. I wish that I could. Does it haunt me when I let someone down? It haunts me. It haunts me. Do I feel really good that Sick Children's Hospital chose to partner with Kind Magazine, Kind Media and Events, the first cannabis partnership they've ever done? Sick Children's Foundation partnered with Kind for our gala. They wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to be named in cannabis. Am I proud that the reason they did that was because my name was on that? Of course, I'm very proud. I've worked really hard on my relationship with Sick Children's Hospital and that they really thought enough of me and the work that I've done to rubber stamp their association with a cannabis experience and a cannabis event. That meant the world to me. And that was a huge game changer for cannabis. And that comes from, like we were talking about, is life generally good? Or I asked that. <clears throat> um, that comes from the hard shit that, you know, Jamaica and, you know, losing jobs because of this. And then it all kind of comes into, like it culminates in you being able to lend your perspective, your unique perspective to a hospital without bringing in all of the other dreck of the culture, if you know what 100%. I mean. hundred like, percent. Like when you generally think of cannabis and the culture associated with it, they're going to think that you're going to have weed leaves everywhere. And of it's going to be like hot boxing the room, man. But no, it's you, <clears throat> you had a health journey and then here you are now. If you look at any of my cannabis content that I curate, there's never a cannabis leaf on any anything. You ask me a pointed question, I will ask, I will answer it. Is life good? Yeah, life is really 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 good i am very blessed um does that mean that i don't struggle from day to day of course i do but on a macro level is life good yeah man i have two amazing children i have a wife that i've separated from who i love very much we don't argue you know i i I have people in my world who support me i have brothers and sisters who are my best friends. I have two parents that are still alive. You know, I, I have, I have it all. Right. I have it all. And it's like, it's kind of, that's a bad analogy, but kind of like the stock market where day to day you're seeing this For sure. and up and downy. And then, you know, overall the course of, it's, you know, it's a long term investment, life, bro. It's 45 degree up, right? That's it. It's a long term investment. It's yeah. not, we're not defined by our moments. We're defined by our existence, by what we do every day. And, you know, the one plus one plus one plus one. Yeah. Well, we got deep here today. Uh, I think I've got uh, another three hours of questions for you, but I'm going to leave on one that's a little bit more fun. Um, so you are given an unlimited budget. You don't have to think about the PL once it's open. What's your concept for a new restaurant? Anything, no laws in terms of infusions or whatever. Paint me a picture of what your a restaurant concept would be. Yeah, and I, I will talk about how I think, you know, this is... This is not something that I haven't give hours and hours or given hours of thought to. But, you know, that's a progression. It starts with something that is attached to a dispensary where you can go in, you can purchase your cannabis, and then you go to someone who's infusing it, um, like your bartender, like your sommelier, who will then take it to the kitchen and they will take your cannabis and infuse it into the food stuff based on your recommendation. Don't they have that somewhere where it's like a food market? I saw it on a Bourdain show where they take the food and they bring it over and they cook it right there. Like you 
you oh, choose the lots seafood. Of those. Yeah, and, there's lots of, okay, for sure. Okay, for sure. There's lots of those, lots of those. But that progresses to full service restaurants. What do I see? I see it being everything. I see it, you know, you've got your fast food. Well, f- if you're going to sell CBD at 7-Elevens, I guarantee you that Burger King eventually comes out with some sort of CBD tea, right? But, but is it all equal? Well, no. A burger right. from McDonald's is different than a burger from Burger's Priest and so on and so forth. So, but I think it's all encompassing. I think there's going to you know, be health bars. I think we are going to come get to a place where cannabis is just another great ingredient that we use in our food stuff. It has different effects on different people and different purposes you want something with thc awesome we're going to make you an amazing sunday you know you go to a baskin robbins i don't know if they still have the matterhorn but you know i used to go for that matterhorn it's got like 13 scoops of ice cream and you can have like a thc chocolate sauce on it we'll get to a point where that stuff is the norm right in age-gated environments like alcohol We need to be educating those who are educating others. We need to be educating those who are making the decisions. Right now, we have people in place that are not in tune. I come back to my example about, you know, someone from Sunnybrook wanting to prescribe my dad two milligrams uh, of cannabis. Well, that does nothing. So we're talking about, and that is someone who's supposed to be educating the consumer or the patient. Well, they're they're not educating. They don't know what they're talking about. We need to be educating those who educate others. We need to be educating those who are at the top of the food chain who are making decisions love it you want to leave it on that as your last word absolutely okay i will i will actually say one last thing and it's what i say when i end my shows but you know the easiest thing that we can do right and i talked about it in my post to my son who turned 19 on december 28th my kids were born you have one child you said three-year-old three-year-old What's his his name? Sammy. Sammy. And Sammy was born with a superpower. Did you know that? I did, actually, yeah. Okay. Do you know what Sammy's super, superpower is yet? No. I can Everything. T- I can tell you knowing his father, okay? Same as my children. That's a superpower, and I encourage you to tell him this. Every fucking day he's alive, he has the power to influence people, positively or negatively. You see that kid who's sitting alone at school? You invite them to play because you can change their life. You see someone who's not being invited to parties, you invite them to a party because that will change their life. My children were born with a superpower. We have the ability to impact people positively. Be good people because it changes the fucking world. Boom. Thanks, Chef. My pleasure. Threat.